Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. I just felt like that was how God wanted us to start today's service and probably how we are going to end the service as well. So let's, let's go to the Word of God right away and open our Bibles to the book of Genesis. And we're going to start here in Genesis uh, chapter number one. While you're looking for it, let's take our confession together. Say this with me. Say every day and in every way. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I am becoming more like Jesus. One more time, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been in this series called The Holy Spirit and You, and today is part number five, part number five of this series. And today we are talking about another helper, another helper. The Greek expression for that concept is allos parakletos. Uh, when some people saw this, they said, this Greek man has come again. But that's the only way. You will soon understand why that has to be the title of the message. Because that, that's what I want you to understand, and there's a reason for, for this expression uh, that the Greek uses. Uh, but what we want to talk about today is the Holy Spirit, the concept of the Holy Spirit being another helper to us, another helper of the same kind, another helper of the same kind. So let's go to Genesis chapter number one and start here. We have quite a bit of a ride today, but it's going to be a fun ride. If you're ready to listen to this the way I'm ready to preach it, this is going to be good. Okay, I hope you are ready to listen to the word of God today. Okay, I didn't hear you. I hope you are ready to listen to God's word today. All right. You know, I see a church where people are excited about God's word. That's what I see. Uh, it will come to pass. Don't, you just stay around for a while. <laughs> it will come to pass. Where when somebody comes on the stage and says, are you ready for God's word? People are screaming. That's the church I see. <laughs> I, and I see it happening. I see it happening. That's the way it used to be in the, in the youth church that I pastored. They, they go crazy. When I say Let's, it's time for God's word, everybody's excited. Uh, but it takes time. You know, people will learn that. That, you know, you have to be excited about God's word. We, we approach God's word here like people that have found a treasure. When you find a treasure, you are excited about it. All right? So Genesis chapter 1, we'll start in verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, somebody say the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said... Let there be light, and there was light. So what I want you to observe here is that in the beginning, the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters before the Father spoke. Remember when we started this series, we said that the Spirit of God was the first that was introduced to us in the Scriptures. You know, after the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, we said God there is Elohim, which is God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But the first individual member of the Trinity that was introduced to us here is the Spirit of God. But what I want you to notice is that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters before the Father spoke. Let's look in the New Testament and see the same example here in Luke chapter number 3 from verse 21. Luke chapter 3 from verse 21 to 22. It says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And then what happened? The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form, and I've spent some time explaining this, like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Again, I want you to notice here, that when the heavens opened, 
the first thing that happened was that the Holy Spirit descended before the Father spoke. Please pay attention. Just like we saw in Genesis chapter 1, that before the Father speaks, the Holy Spirit has to do something. So the Holy Spirit is the one that goes before the Father. The Holy Spirit is the one that does almost like he opens the door for the, father, for the Father's word to be able to come to pass. The Holy Spirit has to go forth first and do something. He is either overing or is descending or something is happening before the Father speaks. Put that in, in, in your back pockets, like they say, okay, because that's going to be important to us in a moment here. But I wanted to also notice in this scripture that when, when the Father spoke, he was talking about Jesus as his beloved son. And he said, in you, I am well pleased. But this was after the Holy Spirit had come upon him. So Jesus was a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. This is one thing that I don't want you to forget. That Jesus, when he was on earth, people have this tendency of looking at Jesus as God on the earth. And that's correct. But for Jesus to be our perfect example, he could not have functioned on the earth as God. That would have been, that would have been a foul play. It would have been foul play. I'm thinking about one word that we use in Nigeria, but I don't want to use it. It would have been foul play. It's almost like, you know, offside in soccer, right? It would have been foul play. So God needed to make Jesus a perfect example by making him a man, just like all of us, a man. But he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, just the same way we are supposed to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. So we are supposed to function on the earth just the same way Jesus functioned, which is that he functioned as a man that was anointed by the Holy Spirit. So when you see Jesus performing miracles, I don't want you to think of it as Jesus. Yes, it's Jesus. He can do that. I mean, I mean, it's Jesus. He's God. No, he was a man. All the while that he was on earth, he was a man. The difference was he was anointed by the Holy Spirit just the same way that we are supposed to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. So it was the Holy Spirit that was inside Jesus that enabled him to do all the things he was able to do. The Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus. That's why you see that before the Holy Spirit descended on him here and he became anointed by the Holy Spirit, he wasn't performing miracles. He wasn't going up, up and I mean, when he was going to be baptized, he entered the water and the water did not hold him. He didn't walk on the water because he was not yet anointed. But the minute the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him, the minute this helper that we are talking about today came upon him, you, we started seeing Jesus doing marvelous things. Then we started seeing him healing the sick. So he healed the sick, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. You find that in Matthew chapter 8, 13 to 15. You can write all the scriptures down. I'm just going to run through them. Matthew chapter 8, verse 13 to 15. Peter's mother-in-law was, was healed. Jesus walked in there, healed her. The centurion servant, Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to 3. Luke 7, 1 to 3. He healed the centurion servant. I mean, people will walk up to Jesus and, and tell him, you don't even need to show up. Just speak a word. And he will speak and the person will get healed. All of these things were happening as a result of the Holy Spirit that was now upon Jesus, that was now residing in him. The woman with the issue of blood, we've read that story before here in Mark chapter number 5, verse 24 to 34. Mark chapter 5, 24 to 34. The woman said, if I can touch the elm of his clothes, I will be healed. And Jesus was not even aware. This woman made up her own mind and went and did what she, what she knew in her heart to do. And she got healed. So all of these things were happening because Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Pay attention. Jesus raised the dead. So after he healed the sick, he also raised the dead. You know the story of Lazarus. John chapter 11, verse 42 to 44. I'm telling you these examples so that you remember that Jesus was a what? A man. God bless you. You are following me. He was a man that was anointed by the Spirit of God. So after he moved from healing the sick to raising the dead, Lazarus in John chapter 11, verse 42 
to 44. John 11, 42 to 44. He went to, in fact, he, 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 in the eyes of men, he delayed going to the tomb of Lazarus. But what people don't understand is that God cannot be late. He's never late. You know one attribute about God is that he cannot lie. Let me explain to you what that means. You see, what it means that God cannot lie is that in, inherent in God is the inability to lie. So he doesn't have the capacity to lie. So if God says that what I, what I have in front of me today is not an iPad, that it's a laptop, if those words come out of the mouth of God, that this is not an iPad, it's a laptop, the minute he says that, guess what happens? This iPad becomes a laptop. That's what it means that God cannot lie. So whatever God says is. Whatever he says, that's why he says, when, when, they, when Moses said, how do I produce you? He said, I am. So I will be whatever you need me to be. So when God speaks, whatever he says becomes. That's who he is. That's not my message, okay? Let's keep moving. So he, he healed the son of the widow of, of Nain. And I like this particular one uh, because in Luke chapter 7, verse 11 to 15, that's the reference. You can write it down and read it later on. Luke 7, 11 to 15, the son of the widow. They were going to bury this guy. In fact, let's read this one. I, I like it so much. Luke chapter 7. Let's go there to Luke chapter 7 from verse number 11. It says, now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. Verse 13 says, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. Look at this. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Look at this. Jesus did not even pray for the guy. <laughs> the guy was in the coffin. He didn't even pray. He didn't even say. The Bible says he touched the coffin. And the dead man woke up. Why was he able to do this? Because he was a man that was anointed by the Spirit of God. And he is exactly the way, the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. So that is how we are supposed to be functioning. I'm trying to elevate your mind this morning to, to begin to see that when we say the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, he's not there to be, to just be a fancy thing on the shelf. No. He's there to do something. Let's keep going. Jesus went ahead from, from raising the dead to now start doing miracles, which is that he started control, controlling the natural course of affairs. We saw him calming the storm. In Mark chapter 4, from verse 38 to verse 40. Mark chapter 4, 38 to 40. He calmed the storm. The Bible says he got up from the boat and said to the, to the sea, Peace be still. And the people that were around him said, What kind of man is this? What kind of man? Which means they understood that he was a man. But they were, they were wondering that this is a different kind of man. In other words, this guy is a different species. Which means that when the Holy Spirit comes upon a man, he becomes a different kind of man. He becomes a different species of man. So they say, what kind of man is this? That even the sea and the wind are obeying him. What, what kind of person is this? Which is how we are supposed to function on the earth. Then he went ahead. Matthew chapter 14, verse 24 to 26. Matthew 14, 24 to 26. There was no boat. So guess what Jesus did? He walked on water. So he just decided that, well, if there's no boat, I cannot be in that. <laughs> just like saying, they're saying, we cannot fly. <laughs> but there's somebody in Toronto that needs to be preached to. The Holy Spirit just carries you from here and, and deposits you there. And when you are done, it transplants you back here. You know, even the thought of that has not entered. The Bible says, God, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above what we are able to imagine. But because our minds are unable to even imagine things like that happening, we see it in the Bible. 
But we are not, we are, as I'm saying it now, you're saying, no, 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 that was for a particular dispensation. No, 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 that's not for, for us here. That's the reason why you don't experience such things. That's the reason. That's the reason why we're not seeing those things. Because people, people have, have, have taken the things that they see in Scripture and made excuses for them. Let's keep going. The final one that I want to show you before we begin to break this down is in John chapter 6 from verse 8 to 14. John chapter 6, verse 8 to 14. Jesus was having a crusade and people had come, they had gathered, and they were hungry. The Bible says he looked at his disciples and said, let's feed these guys. Otherwise, when they are going home, they might fall down and they might faint. So he said, who has anything at all? And they brought him five loaves and two fish. And the Bible says he multiplied them. He multiplied them and fed every single person. But this is what we need to note here, that it was not really Jesus who was doing these things. It was who? The Holy Spirit on the inside of him. So it was the Holy Spirit that was inside Jesus that was making him do these things. But look at what now happened. <laughs> After Jesus had done all of these miracles, look at John chapter 16, verse, verse 7, and see this. John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So, after, imagine that you are one of these disciples, that you have followed Jesus all around like this. You have, you have experienced all these miracles that I have described. And one day, he comes to you and says, you know what? It's better for you that I go. <laughs> what will you tell him? <laughs> you say, no, 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 chief, let's, please, <laughs> stop saying that. It's not better. <laughs> Just stay here. You know, it reminds me of all those years ago when, I mean, this was in redemption camp. I remember very clearly that day. Uh, that my wife told me, that was very young then, when she told me she's, she's going to Canada. We're in Nigeria. Canada has never entered my mind. But I never wanted to leave Nigeria for any reason. <laughs> you know, we are new Nigeria people. You know, we don't, like, what, what are we going to do outside there? We're going to change Nigeria. So I, I was not <laughs> in any way thinking, of, and she came and said, you know, her brother, uh, uh, you know, she, had, she has an admission in Canada that she's going to travel. Uh, I looked at her like, are you... <laughs> Are you kidding me or you are serious? I mean, if you had told me that it's better for you than I go, I would have said something is wrong with you. <laughs> you know, I always tell her, you know, jokingly, that if I, if I could change anything about our relationship, like, I, I will marry her all over again. The only thing that I would change is that that day when she stood before me and said, I'm going to Canada, I would have told her that we are going together. <laughs> but I was still adamant that no, 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 no. So it just brings that to my mind. And here, I'm, I, I'm trying to imagine what the disciples would have been going through. When they, they've seen Jesus do all these things, and suddenly he says, it's better for you that I go away. They, they, they would have had some trouble understanding it. They would have felt like, what do you mean it's better for you that I go? I mean, we can, when we are in a storm, we can just go and look for you inside the boat and you will calm the storm. So what will happen when you go away? But Jesus said, it is to your advantage. I will send the helper. If I don't go, the helper will not come. But if I go away, the helper will come. But I, I'm, I'm going to show you another scripture that helps us understand why the disciples didn't argue with Jesus. You will see it today. That's why I said that Greek expression is very important. So just stay with me. John chapter number 16 and verse 7. So let's look at it in the Amplified Classic here. Amplified Classic. John chapter 16 and verse 7. It says, however, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you into close fellowship with you. Please pay attention. That's why I'm showing you this Amplified. He says he's supposed to come into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in 
close fellowship with you. You see, this idea of close fellowship with you is what makes it different from Jesus being around. If the Holy Spirit comes on you and there is no close fellowship, it's not advantageous to you that Jesus has gone away. Please, are you following me? It, it is not advantageous to you. It, it would have been better that you lived in that time when you could go and find Jesus if somebody is sick, right? But now that the Holy Spirit has come, if we are able to achieve this thing called close fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it will be advantageous to us that Jesus is no longer here. And you will see that in a moment. So Jesus knew what he was saying when he said, it is to your advantage that I go. So why was it better? Because you see, Jesus, at the time that he was on, on the earth, he could only be in one place at a time. He could not be in more than one place at one given time. So what it means is that, for instance, when he was in the boat, he was sleeping in the, in the, in the boat, right? That's why they could go and wake him up. Imagine that Jesus was not in that boat on that day. What do you think would have happened to the disciples if Jesus was not in that boat? They, they probably would have drowned. And we will not have all these, you know, apostles that we know today and all the things that they went on to do later on. But because Jesus was there, they were able to do something about it. But right now, what, what Jesus was saying to them is that it is better for you that I go away because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not just going to be inside me. So whether or not I'm in the boat, no longer would matter. It will be that every single one of you that are in this boat will have the same Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And you can do the exact same thing. You can stand up in that storm and say to it, peace be still, and just how, how I would have done it, you'll be able to do the exact same thing. So the woman with the issue of blood, she had to go and physically look for Jesus and touch him. But now that Jesus is no longer around, he's saying it's advantageous to you that I go because now the Holy Spirit is there with you. So you no longer have to come and look for me to touch me to become healed. Lazarus, it took four days, four days for Jesus to get there. Now, the four days, one of the days was Jesus' own, you know, he just wanted to chill. <laughs> like, let me just show that I'm the boss here. <laughs> so he just waited. But it also took him days to travel to the place. Because he, he could not be in one, more than one place at a time. So he couldn't just go there. He had to take his time and, and journey to the place. But now that the Holy Spirit is with us, it is advantageous to us. Because now we don't have to travel four days. Oh, I, I hope somebody is following me today. We don't have to travel four days. You can stay where you are, speak the word, and the healing will be done for the person wherever the person is. Now the Holy Spirit will be in each of us everywhere. And what is the Holy Spirit supposed to be doing? He's supposed to be leading us. He's supposed to be leading us. I told you the Holy Spirit doesn't push people. He doesn't force you to do anything. He will only lead you. He will only nudge you. He will guide you. He will, he will prompt you. That's the word. He will prompt you to do things. And you have to be sensitive. The way you are going to be sensitive is that you are in this thing called close fellowship with him. That you are sensitive to him. You are listening every single time for what he's about to tell you. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 verse 14 here. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. By now, you should know the scripture. We, we read it so often. Romans 8 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the sons of God. And I made this concept of, you know, the Holy Spirit leading you very simple for you last week. You see, when we say be led by the Spirit of God, it's very simple. It's not something, you know... It's not, it's, it's a leading. It's not, you will know that this is the Holy Spirit leading me. He's prompting me. He's guiding me. And I said to you that if you don't know what you need to do, you need to take some time to check. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. He's not outside. He's not on the, in the ceiling. That's why when we were in school and people will be looking up in the exam, say, the answer is not on the ceiling. <laughs> it will come from the inside of you. It is on the inside. So you need to take some time and look within yourself. Look within yourself. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. That way, you are activating the Spirit of God on the inside of you. 
and the answer will come from within you. You will know what you are supposed to do. It might take some time. It might not come right there immediately, right? You might not get that answer on, on, instantly, but I'm, 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 I'm telling you, you will know what you, are, you need to do. You might just be on, on your way to work the next day and you will see a billboard. <laughs> like there was one particular day, let me give you this very practical example. There was one of the, 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 the concepts I wanted to do in church, right? Some of these designs that you see, you don't know where it comes from. Man, sometimes the Holy Ghost has to dig them out of the inside of me. <laughs> so I was looking for this thing, like, ah, how are we going to do this? Thing? What are we going to do? One day I was just driving to work. I had prayed about it, I don't know, but I just left it. I was just driving to work and I saw a billboard that has completely nothing whatsoever to do with church. If I was a construction, <laughs> it was a construction billboard that I saw. And I said, ah, that's the concept. That's the concept I'm going to use for this thing. You know, and it just came like that. So I'm, I'm saying that sometimes it's not a spiritual answer that will come to you. But if you are not doing this process, you are not praying like this, you won't enter into these coincidences. When people say that all these things they are talking about, sometimes it's just coincidence. I say to them, the people that don't pray in the spirit, they don't experience coincidences like this. Aha. Uh-huh. Nobody just sends them check uh-huh, or 5,000 for doing nothing. You know, it is when you want to experience those kind of coincidences, you have to be practicing something called close fellowship with God. So he begins to lead you. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. You will be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. And you will find out that doors are opening for you. It's not just because, you know, your, your, name, your name is Lucky. Uh-huh, that's what your parents named you. Is that you are working with God. You are working in something called close fellowship with God. All right. So let's, let's break this down into three very simple parts. And so that we can, just so that we can understand it, so that it's simple enough, all right? So first part that we want to talk about is that the Holy Spirit is another helper. That's point number one. The Holy Spirit is another helper. That suggests that there was one helper before, which is Jesus Christ. Now the Holy Spirit has come. He is another helper. John chapter 14. And this is why I want to show you that the disciples did not argue with him because they understood what he was saying. They understood his choice of words. The Bible says here, if you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. If the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So I I, I said the Greek word for this is parakletos. And what that means is simply one called alongside to help. Parakletos is one that is called alongside to help you. But when you now had the word alos to it in the, in the front of it, it now means another one, another one called alongside to help you, but another one of the same kind. The reason why that is important is that there is another Greek word that could have been used here. That word is eteros. So there are two words that could have been used here. One is alos, another one is eteros. Eteros means Another one of a different kind. Another one of a different kind. But they didn't use that one because it would have changed the, the whole meaning of it. But when, you, when, when, they say, when, the, when the Bible says, Allos Parakletos, what he's saying is that this is another one that is exactly like Jesus Christ. He's not different from Jesus Christ. So if you want to know what the Holy Spirit looks like, look at Jesus. He looks like Jesus. He talks like Jesus. He loves like Jesus. He is exactly like Jesus. And he's one called alongside to help you. Now, what this means is that the Holy Spirit is there to help you. He is not there to do everything for you. Now, this is the, the difference. If I say, let's say, uh, Moyo, come and help me carry this keyboard. Come and help me carry the keyboard. What that means is different from if I say, Moyo, carry this keyboard. 
Those are two different things. What help me carry it means is that I am also carrying the keyboard. What many Christians want is that the Holy Spirit <laughs> should go and carry the keyboard. Not to help me carry it. Do you understand what I'm saying? They don't want the help, but he is another helper. He's another helper. What that means is that you are also doing something. You are participating. It's a partnership. He's not going to come and just do everything for you. For instance, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me. He's on the inside of, of Samson. He's on the inside of all of us. But the Holy Ghost did not come at 8 a.m. today and set up this place. <laughs> he did not. What he did was that he helped us to make it work, to make it fast, to make everything work perfectly, and to, to speed up the process, to give us grace to do it. Do you get what I'm saying? So that means that you also, on your own part, you have to wake up at a certain time. You have to get out of your house at a certain time. If you are going to get here at 10 o'clock for service, there's a certain time you're going to wake up. The Holy Ghost will not drive the car. So all I'm saying is that he is another helper. So that means that you have to be doing something. You have to be doing something. There has to be something that God has shown you that you are working on, that the Holy Spirit now helps you. So he has all the attributes of Jesus, except that he can be in every one of us at the very same time. This was something Jesus could not do. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, we said this in the very first message in this series, that he's actually the one that carries the presence of God because the Father is on the throne. The Father is not on earth. Jesus is no longer here. The Holy Ghost is the one that is here because we are in his dispensation and he is the doer, he's the doer of the word. Now, why were the disciples, why were they comforted? Why didn't they argue with Jesus? Because they understood his words. They understood the choice of words. That what he meant was that they knew that even though this guy was leaving us, he said another one who is exactly like him was coming. Another one who is exactly like him was coming. But this thing called fellowship with, with Jesus, with, with the Holy Ghost, is what really, really makes the difference. Whether you are going to actually experience this thing called another helper. I, I hope I'm coming through to you guys this morning. I'm trying to make this as clear as I can make it. You see, the same way that Jesus will sit down on the mountain and explain the scriptures to the disciples. Physically, they can see him and he's explaining the scriptures to, to them. The same way, the Holy Spirit is supposed to come inside your room, sit down with you on your bed huh? and open up the scripture and be explaining it to you in the exact same way. That's what the meaning of Allos Paracletos is. He is another one of the same kind. But the same way he is with you in your room, Right? Sitting with you on the bed and explaining the scriptures to you. He's also with me in my prayer closet. Huh? And discussing with me the next steps that I'm supposed to do. Standing in front of me and explaining to me that this is what you are supposed to do next in your life. This is the next phase of your ministry. This is what you are supposed to do next. At the very same time. But the experience is supposed to be as clear as I have just described it. That's what it is supposed to be. But what makes the difference in how we are going to experience this is how much fellowship, how much fellowship we are in with God. That's what will make the difference. How much fellowship. I remember the story of the man of God. I won't mention his name so that, you know, because now I mention names of pastors and people start asking me, is that your, is that your mentor? Is that your man of God? <laughs> I have only one pastor. His name is Pastor Pogio Imadi. <laughs> Go and Google. That's my, that's my pastor. If I say my pastor in Vancouver, I'm talking about Pastor Bayo. If I say my pastor in Halifax, I'm talking about Pastor Dio. Yeah, you know, I have pastors everywhere. But there's, there's my pastor, if I say, if I don't mention any name, I'm probably talking about Pastor Bayo, okay? But this, this is a man of God, you know, abroad, who many of you probably know him. The Bible says that, no, not the Bible. <laughs> the story is that one day he woke up 
in the middle of the night. He was hearing some weird noises. But there was no light where he was. You know, there was no power there. But he, he took a lamp and he started going around the house. Because he was hearing this funny noise that sounded very demonic. And he started moving around the house. And then he got to the corridor, like a narrow corridor of the room. And he got there. And at the other end of the lamp that he was holding in his hand was Satan. Satan was standing at the other end. I'm telling you that these things are real. Is how far are you willing to go in the realm of the spirit? And he, and he looked at it and he looked at Satan at the other end and he said, ah, it's you. And he went back and killed the lamp and went to bed and slept. <laughs> like that is, that is, but you see, when, when, when you hear stories like that, you're like, ah, how can somebody, <laughs> you have not even seen Satan, you just heard that there are demons in the community. You can't live in the community. <laughs> Because you just heard, it is uh, what is the level of your fellowship? What's the level of your fellowship? What's the level of your fellowship with the Holy Ghost? That's what will determine whether you are bold enough, courageous enough to take on some of these things that we're talking about. Let's keep going there. So it's called to go alongside with us, which means you are going somewhere and doing something for the Father. You are going somewhere and doing something for the Father. The reason we don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit is because we want to be high do with the Holy Spirit. He's not an idle spirit. We want to be idle. We just want to have the Holy Ghost to be able to say that we also have the Holy Spirit. But what are you, what are you doing? What is the Holy Spirit helping you to do? That scripture we read in John chapter 14, let's look at it in the Amplified Bible. And let's see, there are so many words here that he uses. Let's just break them down quickly. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. What does that mean? Comforter, advocate, intercessor. Counselor, strengthener, stand by to be with you for how long? Forever. So is it going to be with you for as long as you are good? It's going to be with you for as long as your behavior is all right. <laughs> as long as you are not messing up. No, he said it's going to be with you forever. That's why I always tell people that you know, even when you have, you have gone astray, even when you, you think you, you, you've done something that is, the Holy Spirit is still there. The point is you need to check yourself, change your ways, repent, turn around. The Holy Spirit is always there. He's not going to leave you. Because that's what Jesus said. He said he's going to be with you forever. Then look at the next verse. It says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be with you. So he's our comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. You don't need a comforter if you are comfortable. If there's nothing in your life that needs comfort, that means you, know, you are in your comfort zone. You already, you don't, you don't need a comforter. You need a comforter when you are walking outside of your comfort zone. And the comforter now comes to comfort you when, you, when, when everybody else has deserted you. Because you see, sometimes when you are attempting big things, it is lonely. It is very lonely. It's lonely at the top. I, I learned that when I was in, in campus fellowship. That's the reason why I ran away from ministry for a long time. I said, no, it's not me and you. God, it's not me. I will, <laughs> I will do everything I can. <laughs> I, I will do everything I can to make sure that I disqualify myself. In fact, I wrote a book and put sex in the cover of the title of the book, so that I would disqualify myself from ministry. <laughs> when they say, you know, how many books have you written? I mentioned the name. They will say, ah, you that wrote this kind of book, you cannot, you cannot be a pastor. <laughs> that's how far I wanted to go to make sure that I'm not doing ministry. But when, when God has his hand upon you, that's what I'm trying to say is that he will, he will, he will make you so uncomfortable because you will, be, you will be lonely. People will not be able to, eagles don't flock. When you see an eagle, they don't flock. They, they, you don't see eagles the way you see ducks. Don't, you know ducks, they are in group. They will be crawling together, all of them in one group. No, eagles are not like that. No, they fly alone because the height that they are on, it takes a certain level of, 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 of effort to remain at that level. So that's what I'm saying. So you'll be uncomfortable. You'll be out of your comfort zone. 
You don't need an advocate if you are not causing trouble. An advocate is a lawyer. He is the one that will defend you. But if you are, if you are just, you know, you are just everything that, everything that, you know, you are, you are everything that is going on, you know, is, is work, work, workism. You are also there. You know, everything, you are, you are along with everybody. You know, cancel culture, you follow there. You know, there's no, nothing, you are not different in any way. You don't need an advocate. You don't need an intercessor if there's no challenge. You don't need a counselor if there's nothing you need to be counseled for. You only need strength when you have used up your strength and you are getting weak. That's when you need strength. And you need a standby if you are running out of power. All right? So let's, let's move on here. Let's look at point number two. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you the scriptures. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you the scriptures. John chapter 14 from verse 25. John chapter 14 from verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So I said the Holy Spirit took over the teaching of the scriptures where Jesus left off. So the point where Jesus, you know, is, Jesus said there are so many things I want to tell you, but I can't tell you all these things. He said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you all things. So the Holy Spirit is supposed to literally take over from where Jesus stopped and begin to teach us the Bible. Just the same way that I've described it, the way Jesus, Jesus sat down with the disciples and taught them the scripture. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He makes the Bible become the word of God to us. Because without the Holy Spirit, the book that you are carrying, that you are calling a Bible, is just a book. It is when the Holy Spirit opens it up to you that it becomes the scriptures. That's when it becomes alive. That's when it becomes living. Because you cannot call the writings in the book the word of God if the Holy Spirit is not the one interpreting, interpreting it to you. How do I know this? Jesus said in John chapter 1, verse 1. Look at what he said. He said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He says, he was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. And based on what Jesus said of himself, the Holy Spirit is here to replace Jesus. So we can say that the Holy Spirit, therefore, is the word of God. Do you understand my train of thought? So you can, say, you can therefore say that the Holy Spirit is the word of God. And then he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, look at this, 2 Corinthians 3, from verse 4 to 6, and we have, we have such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency, he says, is of God. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So it is the spirit of God that is helping you to read the scriptures that will make it the scriptures to you. Point number three. Let's close with this. The Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. The Holy Spirit literally wants to be your friend. I want us to spend some time praying, so I, I, that's why I rushed through that second point. The Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus was on earth today, let me ask you, if Jesus was on the earth today, how many of you will be living in Jerusalem right now. You will do everything you can to immigrate to Jerusalem. Put up your hand. Let me see. <laughs> Don't lie. There's no need. Ah, even me, I will, be, I will not be in Canada. I will be living in Jerusalem because I want to be where Jesus is. <laughs> I want to be where Jesus is. Which day was it? I was looking at, I was looking at uh, the picture of, you know, the, a, a man of God in Nigeria, you know, very famous man of God. Again, I don't want to be mentioning names or just be throwing names up and down. But you might know what I'm talking about, you know, because, of course, you guys know that, you know, Daddy Gio lost, lost his son. Uh, that was the denomination we were in before we planted Believer's House. And so they did a service 
you know. So all these men of God showed up. You know, everybody showed up. I mean, you heard when Daddy Joe was doing the video and he was saying, you know, it's a massive show of love that people, everybody turned up. But this is what I noticed. Everybody that was in that place, they were gravitating towards a particular man. Like all the pictures that I was seeing, they were all of them, everybody wanted to talk to him. Everybody wanted to, and everybody was kneeling down and, you know, he was praying for people and he was talking to people, you know. And I just thought about it. I said, you know, this is how it would be if Jesus was around. Everybody wants to, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody wants the anointing. Everybody wants, you know, the man of God to lay out on them. And I don't blame them. I'm not saying it to, to you know, to say, I mean, if b I was there, I'll probably, you know, I'll probably also want to hang around. But, you know, and there's something inside me that always rebels against things like that. <laughs> so when I see that everybody's doing it, I'll just, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'll wait for my own time, you know. But it just put a thought in my mind that the reason why everybody is gravitating towards this person is because they, they've seen something in him. They've seen something in him. But rather than us, you know, going after the grace, so, so, so to say, on somebody else, we need to also know that there is something on the inside of us too. There's something on the inside of us. Just like what, what my pastor was saying this morning. Uh, I, I was watching the service before I came here. He was talking about the cocoon and the butterfly, the, the caterpillar and the butterfly. They are literally the same. The caterpillar and the butterfly, they are the same. The caterpillar can be on the floor and be looking at the butterfly on top of the tree and be saying, ah, one day. One day, I will also, you know, be like that. But is it a prayer point? No. It's a matter of time. It's not a prayer point. It's not the, the caterpillar does not have to now say, oh God, help my life. <laughs> help me. No. The caterpillar just has to continue being a caterpillar. Continue to grow. Continue to do what it is doing. Let the cocoon be around it. One day, it will metamorphose into a butterfly and it will also fly. Don't forget that. You have within you. It's just like my, my son, Demilade now. The way he is, I mean, I carry him sometimes, and I'm like, but you know the truth of it is that he has everything wrapped up. He's very like this, but he has everything inside him to be exactly the way I am. But it's just a matter of time. All he has to do is just keep growing, keep eating. When we say it's time to eat, don't say I don't want to eat, because then you are causing problems. <laughs> you eat when you're supposed to eat, rest when you're supposed to rest. You will grow into that stature. That's what I'm saying to you, that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. He is there to make you into everything that God has designed for you to be. But you have to just stay with him. Stay with him. Don't be distracted. Don't look around you and see what everybody else is doing and feel like, ah, when am I ever going to be like this? No, you just keep growing. Just keep growing. You just keep growing. I mean, every day we come here, Samson and I, we always have a message before the message. We, when we come here, you know, we're talking about how we started, you know, the, the thing and all the live stream that we're doing, how they were, how they were compared to how they are now, you know, and he was saying, ah, man, look at, we have really, we have, we have really stepped up, like, look at how we are doing all these things, and it's not a problem. I, I said to him, I said, you see, the truth of the matter is that in another five years, we will look at some of these videos that we are doing now, uh, all this live stream, and we wish we can delete everything. <laughs> we will be like, ah, Lord, what is this? No, you are just, you are growing, you are just growing. So stay with it. Stay with the process. I'm not trying to encourage somebody that don't, you don't have to feel discouraged that all your friends, you know, are, are living a certain lifestyle or, you know, everybody around you has something that you don't have or, or, you know, forget about that. You stay with God. Stay in fellowship. Stay in fellowship with him. The Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. Just the same way Jesus was around on the earth and he was the friend of the disciples. That's how the Holy Spirit wants to be with you. But he wants a partnership. The word is koinonia. Participation. A partnership. A fellowship. Listen, in a partnership... You don't do anything without the input of the other person. I mean, if I want to spend any money now, I have to find a way to explain it to my wife in a way that makes sense. <laughs> Otherwise, you are not spending it. <laughs> There's no other way around it. You have, to, you have to justify it. That's what a partnership is. 
You can't just go about doing your own thing because this is what you feel like doing. That's what it means to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So you, you, you carry him along with everything you are doing. And you go beyond just carrying him along to actually taking instruction from him. That's what, when he has become the Lord of your life and not just your Savior. So he becomes the Lord when he is the one who is instructing you. And that is the point where many people want to stop. They want to just be around the things of God. But when you say Jesus becomes the Lord, that's, I can't do what I want to do. It is just what God says I should do. That I, no, 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 I don't want that. I, I just want to do my own thing now. Let me just be, no. But that's what we are called to. We are called to make him the Lord of our lives, to be in partnership with him. Let's look at this in the message translation. This is 2 Corinthians 13. Let's look at it, verse 14, in the message translation. The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. You see that? The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. This is what we are supposed to be like. This is where we are supposed to be. The same way you would have related to Jesus physically. I'm saying it again just for emphasis. Please relate to the Holy Spirit that exact way. There are some, sometimes, I, in fact, my own is very weird because sometimes I, 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 I visualize it. You know, I make it, when I'm praying sometimes, I, I'm asking the Holy Spirit questions, understanding that he's right there with me. He's both on the inside of me, but he's right there with me. I mean, one, one day, which day was it? I got to the elevator one day and the elevator opened by itself. It just opened. And I thought maybe somebody was coming out, but nobody came out. You know, I mean, I can just explain it away that it's, a, you know, it's just a defect or it's a malfunctioning of it. I just said, thank you, Holy Spirit. And I just entered the elevator <laughs> and I just closed the door. You know, imagining in my mind that the Holy Spirit is there with me, helping me to do things. That's what I'm talking about. That you are always conscious of his presence. Imagining that anywhere the Holy Spirit cannot be, I cannot be found there. Anything that the Holy Spirit will not do, I can't, I can't carry the presence of the Holy Spirit with me into certain places. I must not be found inside. I told you last week about how you cannot be seen to be doing the wrong thing. You, you have to always make sure that every, every time you are checking within yourself, checking all the time, that is this something the Holy Spirit wants me to do? So he wants to be friends with you. He wants to relate with you the way he related with the, with the disciples. Jude chapter number 20. Jude chapter 20. You stir up the Spirit by speaking in other tongues. Jude chapter 20. Okay, let me read Galatians. I think I like, I like that. This one is, from, is one of the scriptures I read last week. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. We explained that last week that this is when you, it's garbage in, garbage out, garbage out. Whatever you put in is what you're going to get out of it. But let's go, to, let's go to Jude 20. Jude 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. This was Paul's secret. This was Paul's secret. He said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. It says, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. This is Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He had more revelation than any other human being. And he was telling us that I, I do this more than all of you. So this was his secret. He was always constantly praying in the Holy Spirit. And that's the reason why he was able to endure more persecution, more trouble than anyone else. Let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm, I'm rushing through my scriptures because I'm closing now. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. And I've, I've encouraged you before that please try. Try to set a, a target for yourself every day. That I want to pray in tongues every day for a certain amount of time. Mine is one hour. You don't have to to do one hour. And you can do more than that if you like. There are days that I do more than that. But that's always my goal. That I want to pray, apart from my normal prayer, I want to pray in the Holy Ghost for at least one hour. Sometimes I do it when I'm driving. 
when I'm driving to work, when I'm coming from work, you don't know how, how those times that you are, you are just driving and you are just listening to traffic news or you are just listening to weather reports, be praying in the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that stops you from driving and praying in tongues. You can do it while you're cooking. You can, you know, while you're having a shower. Make sure that you are always praying in the Holy Spirit. And it is important that you create an atmosphere of worship around yourself. I wish I had time to talk about this. Maybe I'll talk about this on another day. Because, you see, worship is what activates the presence of God around you. Worship. I mean, one day we're watching, uh, we're watching this, this thing called um, Miracles on the Mountain. And <laughs> we were, we just, it just occurred to my wife and I, it's one of the things that we watch. It just occurred to my wife and I that, you know, there's, there's so much worship in this thing. Now, Miracles on the Mountain is, is, a, uh, is, an, is an event that, I mean, we see all kinds of miracles. Like, all kinds of miracles. People will come outside with fibroids, <laughs> right? They will say, <coughs> they will say, I have fibroids, right? Pray for me. And the, the pastor will say, you, you have fibroids? They say, yes. Okay. You say, check your fibroid. You say, yeah, I have fibroid. You say, are you sure you have fibroid? Check it. <laughs> and then they will check and the fibroids are disappeared. Like, those kind of miracles is what happens there. But what we also notice, apart from the miracles, is that there's so much worship. In fact, it sings almost 80% of the time. Almost 80% of them, they are worshipping. Like, the minute anything happens, you just say, what are you waiting for? They will start singing again. <laughs> you just say, why are they singing so much? I said, there's, a, there's an act to this thing. There's an act. Because, you see, worship is what literally brings down God's presence into the things that you are doing. Okay, let me, let me just jump here and, and read uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 16. Uh, I'll, I'll jump Colossians chapter 3. And let's read, let's read 1 Samuel 16 in the New Living Translation. And we'll, we'll get up and pray. Just for five minutes, we'll pray in the Holy Spirit. 1 Samuel 16, 15 to 17. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. They said, Let us find a good musician to play the app whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. Look at that. So, so you see, there's, there's, there's the role of, of people that can sing properly. He said, Good musician. <laughs> That's why when we were advertising for worship leader, we said, Please make sure you can sing. It's not, it's not just to, to sing anyhow. You, you can, good musician will play. And the, the Bible says, the spirit that troubles him will, will be lifted and he will be well again. Then 17, it says, all right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. So, but this is, this is uh, uh, when somebody is playing in public. You may not know how to sing well, but sing by yourself in the shower. Nobody is there. <laughs> Nobody is there to listen to you, you know, sing, whether your key is flat or is sharp. You sing and worship God in your own space and create an atmosphere of worship around yourself. Create an atmosphere of worship around yourself and you'll find out that the things that you think are a challenge right now, they will literally just vanish. Stand on your feet and let's pray in the Holy Ghost. I hope with these few points of mind, I've been able to convince you and not to confuse you. Let's pray in the Spirit for some time. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.